Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. Bucks and Brian. Brian, just like Jesus and Jesus risen, I am back from being down for the count with COVID. I was able to just recover in time to make this podcast, and it's good to be hitting the mic together with you. And I'm feeling so much better and energized now that uh, I'm able to be here for our podcast and our listeners. How are you doing? That's right, Bucks. We're good to have you behind the mic. You're no longer riddled with the Rona. Had a couple days where you're down and out, but we're happy that uh, modern medicine has helped keep you away for a very short amount of time. And now let's talk about game week 34. It was a fun game week, wasn't it? Before we dive into the action, it really was. It was a small double game week, but uh, it had its highs. It has its lows. And uh, yeah, good to good to be uh, heading out with some respectable scores, at least. Yeah, it was a pretty average double game week, to be honest, compared to a lot of other ones, because our Chelsea Blues kind of had an up and down performance. And a lot of players were kind of performing mediocre at best. So I think those who brought in Havertz and Mount were kind of disappointed, I would say, given that they'd been in decent attacking form. But uh, we'll get into that, Bucks. Let's start with your game week score, because you were the one who ended up with the green arrow this week, and I was on a red arrow. So let's start with the good. Sure. So I took a hit. I used my two free transfers and an additional move for a minus four. I ended up with 65 points and with the minus four, 61 total. Uh, Top score for me was clearly Andy Robertson. He had a masterclass performance, 15 points. Saka delivers 13. My captain was Mo Salah. He gets an assist for six times two, 12. Uh, Other contributors, Mason Mount had five. TAA had five. Dubrovka with six. And uh, coming in off my bench, I really got punished a little bit by uh, some rotation this game week. And Mateta with a two-pointer came in big uh, to deliver two more points than Iheanacho had uh, with his blank. Uh, But I I think my moves were well-warranted. It ended up costing me in the total department. I ended up down two points all in. But honestly, I think I'm set up better for the long haul. And so I like having Kinsella for some city coverage and Mason Mount just looked so much better than Kulisevsky uh, in their isolated uh, game play. So uh, 61 all out, pretty com- comfortable with that. And a nice little green arrow of about 4,000 spots up to 136,000 overall. I have a lot of climbing to do to catch you, let alone to uh, make it into the top 100,000 positions, which is Now, I guess a more realistic goal for me, but with two free hits remaining, it's still all to play for, uh, for my side, Tuchel's trophy case. Let's move on to you, Brian. You're leading the charge and you're the best manager on this podcast for sure this season, Uh, but there's only four game weeks left. So that could change uh, going into next season. So how'd you end up? Yeah, Bucks, I ended up on 54 points and a small red arrow of 4K. So essentially what you went up, I went down um, in this game week, but not a lot in it. I think, um, you know, I really missed a few key players this game week in Robertson and Alonzo. And so both of those players uh, really punished me this game week, especially since I could have had the opportunity to actually transfer Alonzo in. Unfortunately, I went with Cancelo instead, and he netted one point. So that, that was really tough. Leading the line for me, Saka, 13 points. That was huge. I also had Salah captain for 12. Mount with five. Matip was a 
more important player for me. He got eight points, uh, which I felt very lucky to have because he almost had a uh, gave away a PK in that match versus Everton. And then uh, Dubrovka, again, once again, you and I started Dubrovka over Ramsdale and he outscores him. So we like what we're seeing from the defense at, at the Newcastle side of things. And it'll be a really good match. We have Newcastle versus Liverpool this week. So we'll get into captaincy shouts later, but we'll have to break that one down a bit further because uh, the home field advantage right now for, for Newcastle has been really impressive. So anyway, uh, all up, you know, semi-forgettable game week. I, I really took a punt in bringing Kinsella this week and doubling up in the defense versus Watford. And that backfired in the first 25 minutes. That was really tough to see because City went on to win five to one. And I could have easily had that transfer to be Alonzo instead. But I kind of got in my own way by really trying to plan for the future and plan for double game week 37, which I was hoping that City would fall into. But now we officially have news that City will have their double game week in 36. And so it's a bit of a mixed bag because I'm going to free hit then as well. So, all right, long story short, a little bit of a sob story. You know, I've had eight green arrows in 10 game weeks and went down by 4K. But, you know, top 10K is, is a lot harder to achieve now. And we only have four game weeks left and I got, you know, 12,000 spots to rise. So we'll see how we go. But onwards and upwards, let's break down somebody who had a much better game week. And that would be the manager of the game week. Yeah, the manager of the game week was LZ, Lucas Zena. But uh, listen, Lucas and I have room to chase because you're so far ahead of both of us in the standings in the FPL Blues podcast, Super League. But Lucas, his side, Sergeant Pulisic, made up tons of ground. He had 84 points total, and he Ooh. really nailed uh, some of his players. He had Alonzo with 19, Pope in goal with 10, Robertson with 15. He also captained Sala for 12, Saka for 13. And then he had some sprinkled in returns. He had Mount with five and yeah, that's that's a good score. I mean, I think when you're looking at it, the average of this game week was like in the high 40s. And a lot of players that used their free hit that were really optimistic that they were going to nail the city players that started, you know, they got the lineups right, but they got the players wrong. So it's really nice to see uh, Lucas. He nailed it. Alonzo, super explosive double game week player. And uh, yeah, he looked like the best player on the pitch, I would say, uh, in the Chelsea opening match. And he was arguably had a really incredible performance. That opening goal for Chelsea was incredible. We'll definitely talk about that more. But he's putting on a real class performance as a veteran player. And he's locked up his spot for sure from now until the end of the season for Chelsea. Yeah, well done. I mean, this is a game week where we saw a lot of variants. If you owned the likes of Ronaldo, Alonzo, uh, Jesus, there were some big scores from players who are lesser owned. So hats off to any of those managers who punted on those players. Unfortunately, neither you or I had them, uh, although you did have Robo. So I guess I'm the only one crying a bit. So I need to change. I need to change my tone right now, Bucks. I'm a little down for my little sniffly 4K red arrow. I need to put that aside and look to the future and enjoy this pod with you. You got to have a bounce back. And just for context, uh, Lucas had an almost 100,000 spot rise in the rankings just this game week. So he went from about 425K overall. He's now uh, within 325K. So Lucas, just keep this up. You're going to be in the top 25K by the end of the season. All right, we're going to take our first break and then we're going to have some banter on the games from the past week and what we saw on the pitch. We'll be right back. 
All right, we're back. Let's start with the teams that had two matches as they had twice as much opportunity for points, but for the most part, they let us down. So let's start with Chelsea, our team. They opened this, the game week playing against the Hammers and, you know, differential darling Marcus Alonso came in. He had a great 10 point performance. He has the match winning assist, which Christian Pulisic comes off the bench and delivers into the back of the net. Really exceptional performance and worth mentioning that, I mean, West Ham, they have only Europe, Europa to play for. Uh, that is really where they're most focused. And for the Premier League, they will have no center backs. They have none of their first choice center backs <laughs> for this game, but they also don't have it for next game in game week 35. So if you have Arsenal players, specifically Arsenal attackers, hold them. They are not to be sold at this point in time. Chelsea get the yeah it was it was it was a bit uh it was a bit tough for Dawson to get his red card because he had a fantastic game all the way up until the 85th minute and then he ends up um getting called for the red card leading to a penalty kick attempt which uh Jorginho misses unfortunately the hop skip and a jump had a 0 for 2 performance this week because we also saw Bruno miss a PK early on versus Arsenal so a bit of an unfortunate result for West Ham, but uh, really kind of respect what Moyes went into that game with. He played his second string team and they put up a really good defensive shell and really stumped Chelsea all the way up until the, the brink of the game. So I think you still want to start all your attackers versus West Ham because they're not going to be trotting out their best lineups, but I uh, don't expect them to concede a ton of goals um, compared to some of the other teams like maybe a Leicester who are also focusing on Europa. Yeah, great point. And just worth mentioning that a lot of the Chelsea attacking players, I know I was advocating potentially going crazy with a triple Chelsea attack, just really underwhelming. I mean, Werner, Kai, Mount, they each get three point totals and they blew a number of chances that really should have should have ended up with FPL return. So that's frustrating. And equally, you know, Rudiger misses out with a uh kind of small groin injury and Reese James is rested as a precautionary measure as he seemed to have some discomfort in his hand, in his uh, knee, which is an injury he's been uh, kind of coming back from um, moving on. They played just this afternoon against Manchester United at old Trafford and Chelsea were clearly the better team on the day. I mean, they dominated the game uh, throughout, I would say from the opening kick to the end of the 90, they had all the possession. They had, tons of shots on goal. And you know what? They just, they nodded off after Marcus Alonso gets another return. He puts the ball in the back of the net for the opening goal. Um, and you know what? They, they were too busy celebrating. They didn't end up focusing on what the task at hand was, what's, which is to get the full three points. And two minutes later, Ronaldo claps back and exceptional control and then one times it right into the back of the net. So uh, that ends up, that's a disappointing uh, result for Chelsea A really extraordinary resilient result from Manchester United. But I do want to just double click here because we learned today that Manchester United current coach is Ralph Ragnick. We already know that his successor has been hired Eric Ten Hag coming from Ajax, but we just learned that as soon as the tenure for Ragnick is up, he's now going to be the starting international coach for the Austrian national team, which is a big role to get considering he's been pretty much met the entire <laughs> tenure he's had at Manchester United. And I thought it that's was putting, that's putting it politely that he's been meh. 
I yeah, think. that's uh, he's, politically he's, correct. Yeah, he was very disappointing, yeah, he's, underwhelming. He's possibly been a scapegoat candidate, but instead I feel like the Manchester United fans and supporters have all blamed the players more so than his tactics, um, which is kind of interesting because I think when you look at Ole, who was also a interim manager, and then he went on to secure the job and you know lead them to a second-place finish in the Premier League, just really interesting that Ragnick gets kind of off scot-free and he's able to just go to his next big job. Well, I just want to mention that. I think it was watching the game. It's very bizarre to see Ragnick going with so much veteran experience. I mean, this team, yes, they are technically in the top four chase, but they have a game. They've played a game more than everyone else that's above them and they're behind. So realistically, unless Ronaldo just becomes vintage, you know, 27 year old Ronaldo and he's scoring 20 goals between now and in the last four game weeks, I don't see them really making a serious challenge for a champions league position. And it's just weird to see them bring Mata off the bench, bring some of these veteran players when they have all this youth that is going to be the successors for this team. And they're really going to be important for Ten Hag to rely on, to know that they have depth because right now they do not have a deep team whatsoever. So just wanted to mention that let's move to one of the hold other on, bucks. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me stop you for a second here. Just want to talk about how, I think we might have fallen into a little bit of a double game game week trap with Chelsea. Obviously, we're huge supporters of them. But when we look at the you know kings of the game week and the top 11 scores across the board, only Alonzo features from Chelsea. So I think those people who brought in Kai and captain him, you know, you end up with 16 points, which is, um, you know, still beats Salah, which a lot of people like us went with for captaincy. But Kai, especially today, he easily could have braced. He ends up with an assist, no bonus and five points. But I think that was a big miss uh, for a lot of people who you know went with Kai. And I think he was in the right places, but his finishing was very poor today. He did force a few saves from uh, David De Gea, but they weren't worldies or anything. I, it was just a, a tough performance. And I think we left points on the board um, today at Old Trafford. I think both these games, you have to be disappointed as a Chelsea supporter to only score one goal. I mean, we dominated possession in both games. Uh, You know, West Ham successfully parked the bus for most of the game, but Manchester United, I mean, we must have had, Reese James alone must have had four or five whipped in crosses that just went begging for someone to put into the back of the net. And Kai Havertz was one on zero with De Gea. He puts it directly into De Gea's groin, lower uh, kind of tummy area. He was down for a minute on that. And then he has a free header and he puts it right into his hand. So that's very frustrating as a Chelsea supporter. And you just know that if Chelsea had a player like Ronaldo instead of a player coming off the bench like Lukaku, that this team would be actually making a real push to be top of the table. I just have to say that and leave that there as a Chelsea fan. We have way too many games where we're just begging for someone to clinically finish the passes, put it into the back of the net. It has to be the fifth or sixth time this season that they've gone begging uh, many chances, many crosses, many corners, and it's just one goal, sometimes zero goals. It's so frustrating. Let's move on to United's other game. So United lose three to one in the opening fixture of the game week versus Arsenal. And this was especially delightful for me because I I slept in by about 30 minutes till about 5 a.m. And I wake up at 5.05 and I already see that Saka has a goal and an assist in the first 30 minutes of the game week. 
I'm like peering at my phone in the middle of the dark, just squinting without my glasses. I'm like, what? Saka penalty kick and an assist? Woo! That was a good start to the game week. And he was uh, responsible for basically a fourth of my points this game week. So good to see him confidently taking pens as well with Lacazette off the pitch. Uh, and then elsewhere, this was a back and forth game. We saw Bruno um, take the penalty after Ronaldo had actually scored his opening goal. And so I wonder if this was just like a confidence boost thing that Ronaldo gave the nod to Bruno to try and get him in the goals and get him back on the score sheet. But he does the hop, skip and a jump. And he also misses off the post. Uh, his, his penalty was better than uh, Jorginho's, but still over two for both of those. Not by much and minus and minus points, you know, for FPL. And there are a lot of managers who had him in their side from the previous, uh, you know, uh, fixtures. So tough double game week for, for those owners. But from a Manchester United perspective, it's time to move all their assets uh, on. I, I think, you know, if you have Ronaldo, it's now is the time to move to Kane, uh, looking at double game week, you know, Great 36. Shout. And if you don't want to go with Kane, then you, you double move him and bring in KDB. Use those funds to bring in uh, a heavy hitting player that is a differential. And that is really, in essence, KDB at the moment, who is in fantastic form. So I would move on from all your assets from... Manchester United, and they also blank in game with 37. Yeah, great point. And uh, I love the shout of Ronaldo to Kane. That makes so much sense, especially since he has an extra fixture and really good fixtures bookending the Spurs double game week in 36. I just want to mention that if Saka is on penalty kicks, which it looks like since he's been so clinical at taking them, he's locked that up. There's no way Lacazette is coming on and, and wrestling that responsibility back. He's a must own, I think, at his price point. And I expect we're going to be seeing a very different price bracket for Saka next season. Uh, once oh. he has a more built up Arsenal team around him, plus he has penalty kick responsibilities. And one other player I just want to make sure that we give kudos and credit to is Niketia unbelievable i mean the way that this young guy is coming in it just shows that lacazette is really one-dimensional as a creative player not as a goal scorer but eddie niketi is so hungry for goals i love to see the way that he's attacking he's making defenses think and he's unpredictable so i kind of love that he's a little bit of a late season punty budget X factor for Arsenal. And he could be really valuable uh, as we approach the last four game weeks. You know, you mentioned selling Ronaldo. Maybe you sell Ronaldo all the way down to Niketia. You're able to improve your team, not just in one other position, but you save that, that funds, spread it, improve your defense, improve two midfielders. So uh, I really like the way that Niketia is playing. And I think he's also uh, earned his spot for the rest of the season. Let's keep it moving. Yeah, he's, He's 5.4, 5.5 million. He's a player that presses a lot, which is something that Lacazette doesn't have the energy to at this point in his career. So it's giving uh, Arteta a different dimension at the focal point of that attack. And he's you know a young guy. I think he probably is not going to be a, a booming brace type of player, but he might trickle in with an assist or a goal and is cheap where there are no forwards. So decent selection. And just want to, again, Bucks, you, you called it out. We're not going to have Saka at this price point next season. He's going to be at least 8.5 million is my guess, like 8 million. He's going to be up there compared to where he started out this season. 
Oh, you're saying even higher in the Zoom. I think I think I, he's going to be more. I think I oh, wouldn't man. be surprised if he's nine million to start next season. He's a more explosive Oof. and more involved player than Jaden Sancho. And if you recall, Jaden Sancho was priced pretty much at that same nine million price point. It's an awkward price point to think of if we are referencing this season of FPL, but I think there's going to be a lot more premium players in the premier league next season with Holland coming in. And so I think that we're going to think of Saka as potentially even a bargain at 9 million. He really is just such a force within that young Arsenal team. And for me, he's head and shoulders above the other young players there. I think he's a really special talent and Arteta is seeing the output that Southgate saw the potential of when he brought him into the England team. So I really like the way that Saka is rounding into form and he has his full confidence back after kind of a very frustrating finish to the Euros in that final match. Next up, Man City. They just absolutely smashed Watford 5-1, but that one goal from Watford made a huge impact in a lot of players' FPL teams and their scoreline. And the goals- Mother- bleeper bucks you had to just start that off we couldn't talk I'm about sorry. jesus jesus oh. is risen jesus oh, we're getting is risen. there instead uh instead you got to rub the the salt into the wounds of my double manchester city defense that really should have kept a clean sheet ederson could have saved that on a different day but uh yeah that that one uh made me get up and walk away from the tv and go uh, pour myself a little morning drink at about 11 a.m pacific it's funny because this was a very holy week uh, regarding holidays. I mean, there was Easter, Ramadan is ongoing, and Jesus and Mohammed both had their come up pretty much around the same moment. Salah gets his assist to Rabo. Jesus just is like, oh, man, that's my name, baby. Everyone's praying for me this weekend. I'm going <laughs> to reward that faith. And he had four goals and an assist. And let me tell you, it actually could have been more. That's crazy to think about. And I want to just, this is a real in the weeds FPL stat, but he had 128 bonus point score, which I believe is the highest of the season. I need to triple check that, but I think he beats out Mo Salah when he had his massive go off in a double game week earlier this season. So I'm confident to say that Jesus, Gabriel Jesus and Jesus, they were playing both for Manchester City against Watford in this match for sure. <laughs> We're pronouncing his name all differently across the pod right now, but Jesus looks really, really impressive. And I got to give him credit. Obviously, he only had three Premier League goals leading up into that game, but Pep loves to have his players ready to be called on at any moment. And when they hit a good patch of form, he keeps continually starting him. So, or starting those types of players. So, when we walked at, looked at the team sheets for the Real Madrid, uh, semi-final first leg he was on the starting sheet and he got in the goals again so really good to see him come into form I think he's still probably a punt but when there aren't many double game week forwards that we're considering he might find a way into your team sheet for double game week 36. Yeah right now he's the most transferred in player for uh, game week 35 and I think that's a real casual move he's definitely a punt he just played two games straight he hasn't been first choice for a a long while under Pep, even though he's uh, white hot. I mean, he had 24 FPL points, which is clearly the top 
of the scoring in this game week. So uh, massive for him. But uh, again, I think Pep Roulette is going to continue to play its part as we approach the end of the season. And just worth mentioning, KDB also looks spectacular. He only played... 55 minutes, but he had two assists and got two bonus points. So he had nine FPL points and he's just in massive form. I think that, um, you know, he's probably making a strong argument uh, in the second half of the season uh, to get in consideration for Ballon d'Or and definitely, you know, the best player uh, for a complete season in the Premier League. I think, you know, you have to have Salah up there, you have to have Sadio Mane is definitely having a dream season. And, you know, right up after those two names is probably KDB. He's having a really fantastic campaign. Yeah, he's just at the heart of everything that they do. And he's going to continue to start all of these matches in which City are still going for the title. So until Liverpool drop points, I think he's 100% nailed to start games. However, like we saw in this game, he might only play 50 minutes. He might only play 65 minutes. So depending on the game script, we're going to see him, you know, have a bit of a rest at the end of these. But like we saw in this one, he can easily get in the points very early in the UCL game versus Real Madrid. He had a goal in the second minute and then an assist like within 15 minutes of that. <laughs> it so, was amazing. Yeah, he can, he can punish at any moment. And looking at all the premium players, he's the most in form out of Kane, Son and Salah at the moment. So definitely a top transfer target looking at this match versus Leeds and then their double game week and then easy fixtures after that. He's a no-brainer if you're trying to make up some ground and have a differential captain from Salah in double game week 36. Just worth mentioning, you know, you mentioned the rotation that Pep employs and KDB maybe having a quick pull and a quick hook if uh, the match script determines that. I think we could see the same thing this coming weekend for Salah because they play Newcastle away, but you know, most importantly is the Champions League and Liverpool also have an FA Cup final to navigate. So I think that this might be the game week where we see Salah rested after, let's say 60 minutes, 65 minutes. So I wouldn't, if I had a free hit or if I had my wild card remaining, I'd probably be maybe moving off Salah to bring in KDB in his place just as a way to really go for broke at the end of the season. Uh, again, you need a way back to Salah. You're going to want to have him for the double game week in 36. But if there's a way that you can, maybe if you're thinking of free hitting this game week, there's ways that you can set up your team uh, to maximize points in both the short and the long term. Just a thought. Yeah, elsewhere on City, um, both Laporte and Cancelo look to be 100% nailed as there are injuries across their back line. So having one of those defenders or maybe two is a great shout as well. Foden completely rested for this game and then started in Champions League. So he is obviously still first choice uh, for their tougher matches than for Champions League. So he's a great option at 7.9 million pounds, somebody who could easily come in for Kai as a straight swap. So he'll be a popular transfer coming up here. And then elsewhere, a really tough uh, one. I think one of our listeners, Corey Cummings, he went for the free hit and brought in Sterling for this, uh, this match because we really predicted there to be a ton of goals. Unfortunately, Sterling does not get any assists or anything else like that in this match. So tough one for those owners of other city attackers, but they're, they're the creme de la creme of the, of the league, and there will be more points to come in the next couple of game weeks. I just want to say here that it's amazing 
the campaign and the goals that City are scoring, considering they really don't have an out-and-out striker. And their big acquisition in the summer window, Jack Grealish, can't even punch into the starting 11. I mean, he's a 100 million pound player who's just resting on the bench, coiffing his hair, uh, match in and match out. So it's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, just the the level of kind of ruthlessness that they have passing the ball around and just attacking space in the box. Uh, I mean, I feel like they could have scored even more goals than five. And, you know, the fact that they regularly score up three, four, five, six goals every season under Pep is just a credit to his coaching style and the way that they approach each and every match. Uh, Really amazing domination and another successful uh, season from City. So now let's jump into Brentford versus Spurs, which ended in a nil-nil. We just talked about how moving somebody like Sun to KDB might be a good play for those who own Sun. We have seen all of a sudden a white-hot Spurs team just wilter away, and now they have zero shots on target in two matches. Bucks, not a lot to say about this one, but I think the triple-up on Spurs or even a double-up is more than enough. I think right now having Sun or Kane is all you need, and maybe move those to those players to other double game weekers. What are your thoughts here? I actually have a different takeaway. I actually don't think I would sell Sun right now. He looks like he's more attacking under Conte and he would be the player I would want to keep. I think that they have a really tough looking double game week on paper. They play Arsenal and Liverpool. And obviously those are two really strong teams, but those teams are going to be going for it also. So there's going to be a lot of space in behind both of those teams defense for Sun to have counter-attacking runs. He's going to be my captain uh, this coming game week in 35 to uh, kind of preview what's to come. So I would not be selling him. And honestly, I don't have the funds to get KDB, but I probably want to have son because he's more nailed for minutes. And I think the opportunities are going to come. I think the real Spurs is the team we've seen uh, before the last two games where they've kind of just no-showed. Conte is a great manager and uh, they've been the top scoring side still in 2022. So uh, I just believe that between Kane, Kulu, and Son, there's too much attacking talent. And so the ball is going to hit the back of the net for them soon. And I think it's going to come this game week uh, against a heavily rotated uh, team. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I think Son and Kane are huge captaincy shouts this game week, especially with Salah maybe on a slight minutes reduction uh, versus Newcastle ahead of their second leg of the Champions League. I think that we've seen Brentford really change their form over the last kind of six weeks and have to really, you know, give them a lot of praise since Erickson has come into their side. They have been racking up wins and draws uh, every other week and very impressive at this point. And looking at Tony, who was one of my players that I brought in kind of game week, 28, 29, he really was unlucky not to score in this match. He had three shots on target, five total shots and two of those headers, went off the woodwork. So I was really craving an FPL uh, haul in that one because if he would have put one of those goals in, he would have been on max bonus in, in, a, in a 1-0 game being the striker. So that one was tough. I think he's really having a, a solid season at his price tag, and he might be another player that we see next season that will have a slight uh, increase in price given that he's had a, a relatively you know 15 to 20 hauls this season. 
Luckily, I love you as a co-host because I'm not going to be sharing with the listeners any uh, leaked uh, photos of some of our text exchanges during some of these matches. But Tony, you know what? (laughs) Coming into the season, we were kind of all hoping as an FPL community for big things. And you know what? It's trickled along, but he's having a really nice season. I mean, he's not scoring 30 goals like he did in the championship, but there are levels to this game. And I think he's proven that he is really a premier league caliber striker and he does a lot of work and a lot of good shifts for a Brentford side that needs a player like him to lead the line. So pretty impressive. And they totally neutralized Spurs, as you mentioned, zero shots on goal for the fourth straight uh, half for Spurs. Tony, Tony, I think is a player again, 6.5 million, 16 returns. This is the type of player we were hoping that we'd have DCL Bamford. Where are the forwards bucks? You're laughing at me now, but where are the forwards this season? It's been uh, just a dry desert of uh, desolate points. And it's been, uh, been refreshing to at least have a few hauls from Tony uh, towards the end of the season here. Liverpool, Everton, the Liverpool Derby. Let's close it out with a recap of this month. Yeah, we had some real dark arts voodoo type of action coming from the Everton side in the first half of this one. Lots of uh, time wasting. Pickford from the opening kickoff was laying on the top of the ball. First half, I mean, it, it was four minutes in and Pickford's like trying to kill the game off. I've never, ever, I've been watching soccer and the Premier League for quite some years. I've never seen a team try and do that within the first five minutes of the game. I can't even say this. It was so absurd watching it live. It was like, what are you doing? Kicking it from the right side, letting it roll to the left side, and then falling onto it within five minutes. The guy must have like forgotten where he was. It was so bizarre. I mean, that was one of the highlights of the weekend was then later in the match when Allison does the, he mocks, he mocks uh, Pickford and does the same thing late in the game where he rolls on top of the ball and is just holding it like it's his baby on the ground. Uh, I thought that was, that was really good. What a, what a match. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Inevitable scoreline for Liverpool. They end up winning two to zero. Another clean sheet, and Robertson is the hero. He gets a header from a Mo Salah assist. And Robbo, wow, what a, I think he's got 25 or 26 returns since game week 13. Truly incredible, and I have him nowhere near my team. So it was, it was tough to see him be on the other side of that headed goal, but he's truly you know performing at a high level. And that Robbo TAA double up looks like gold. I think it's safe to say he's been the best player since uh, the halfway mark in the FPL game. He's really just on it. He gets clean sheets, he's getting bonus points, and he's getting attacking returns. I think he's first now. He's either tied or one ahead of TAA for total assists with 11. And so he's just, I mean, Liverpool have a very special team. And the fact that they can roll out TAA, Robertson, and VVD each and every game week. I mean, that's giving a little bit of uh, of uh, lack of respect to Joel Matip and Allison. Yeah, don't don't slight my guy right there. He got eight points. He outscored. He TA. got he got very lucky on that eight pointer. Let's uh, let's call a spade a spade. But I mean, that Liverpool team is really a classy organization, and uh, it's it's showing that you know they extend Klopp, and they're they're going to just run it back. I think they're going to be even better next season, if you can imagine. 
I mean, every single player on this team is a good asset, right? It just depends on what they're priced at. I'm excited for next season when Mane hopefully gets a price drop so we can actually consider him as a possible alternative to Salah. Uh, that would be exciting for FPL managers. But when you look at Jota, a lot of managers were kind of bringing Jota in and out of their side before Luis Diaz was signed. And that was one reason why I don't have Rabo on my side. I went with Jota kind of middle of the season, got a couple of good returns, but a couple rests, couple benchings. And we're just seeing that the reliability and the returns from Rabo are second to none. So truly an incredible asset and hats off to those who had him this game week as a double up in the defense. Before we go to some of the other uh, things we just want to touch on, I just want to ask you a quick hypothetical. If the prices stayed the same, but Salah was a forward and Mane stayed a midfielder. Would that change the way you felt about which one to bring into your side? I don't think there's quite enough in it. You know, Salah is still going to end the season on 25 goals or so. So I think even if he was getting four points instead of five points for those goals, he would also be accumulating a lot more bonus. That's one thing that kind of hurts Salah a lot because he doesn't complete a lot of his dribbles and some of his passes uh, do go astray. So he actually loses bonus because Liverpool often has so much possession in the final third of their opponent. So I think that it wouldn't be enough to offset it. I really want to see like Salah at like 13 million to start next season and see Mane at like 10.5 or 11. I think that would be at least a couple million difference. This season was just not enough. Uh, half a million. It was 12.5 versus 12 to start that that's not enough to actually give the joke. Yeah, uh, I agree. Okay. Yeah. Give an alternative. So yeah, that, that, that would be what I hope for next season. All right. And we just want to quickly run through. So we mentioned earlier, West Ham and Leicester are still both mostly focused on their European competitions. So they both played today. They both rolled out their first choice squads today without a lot of rotation. Leicester got a draw and West Ham actually lost 2-1. Uh, pretty brutal result for them as they look ahead to the second leg. So they're going to both be heavily rotated sides in game week 35, potentially game week 36, as well as 37, as they look to kind of get right and make sure their teams are best set up for uh, next season because the Premier League season has kind of gone off script for both of those teams. So I just wanted to mention that if you have a lot of those players, maybe the time is to sell now uh, going into game week 35, try and jump on some teams with more to play for. Yeah, frankly, when Leicester advanced in Europa or the Euro European Conference, whatever it's called, uh, that was really bad for FPL because James Madison, Harvey Barnes, both decent, cheap mid fielders that, that you could slot into your team. And now I think they're going to be heavily rotated. You're not going to expect more than maybe 120 minutes from either of them in the upcoming double, double, which they have in 36 and 37. So it's definitely a tricky one. If you have them, you know, you hold on to them most likely and look to upgrade elsewhere in your team, but don't be handing them the captaincy armband or anything like that because of their minutes and their rotation risk. Yeah. And worth mentioning that you know, I had brought in Ian Nacho a couple of game weeks ago. He did an okay shift for me. He got uh, two returns while he was on my team, but now Vardy is back healthy. So I think Daka, Ian Nacho, and Vardy are 
are both going to be on a full share of minutes. And we're both going to, we're going to see each of those three players uh, get starts between now and the end of the season. So that's, if you have any of them in FPL, that's going to be extremely and extraordinarily frustrating. Uh, Let's move to some of the teams that are already on vacation. They are looking at the South shore of England. They're looking at the, uh, at maybe Ibiza, they're looking at going to the Amalfi <laughs> Coast, or maybe even they're looking to uh, make a trip out stateside to catch some NBA uh, playoff action. Who are those teams, Brian, that you would just be completely uh, kind of either staying away from or being overly cautious about? Yeah, I think Brighton, Wolves, Southampton, and Crystal Palace are all kind of those mid to late table teams that you really want to stay away from from an FPL perspective. Crystal Palace has some decent fixtures coming up. So, you know, maybe getting a Zaha or getting a defender could be in the works, but I would not go overboard on any of these teams. Again, they're all safe. They're going to probably play a lot of their young guys coming up here in the next couple game weeks, um, especially in those that they have doubles. So just stay away from those teams for the most part. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to attack them in the kind of final couple game weeks. I know Southampton, especially, they're known to ship, you know, five or six goals every now and then. And if we can target them for FPL, that might be a, a big win. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's move. Let's take our break. And when we come back, we'll discuss some of the community questions, as well as our short watch list of potential transfer targets for game week 35. Mail time. Like the great lads on PTI, we're going to steal that for this segment, Bucks. Let's uh, answer a few community questions, and then we'll get into our captaincy plans and transfer shouts. Or wait, I said that backwards. Transfer thoughts and captaincy shouts. There it is. There it is, Bucks. Nothing a little uh, behind the scenes editing can't fix. First question comes from one Kev Johnson. He's a mini league mate of ours, as well as someone who's having a decent season in the FPL Blues podcast, Super League. Kev is asking what to do with his triple captain chip. Wow, Kev, good on you for keeping this chip in the hopper. And for me, I think there's really only four options remaining in the last four game weeks. Uh, Two of them are in double game week 36 and two of them are very differential and potentially punty in double game week 37. So for me, Sala KDB in double game week 36, don't overthink this. They're two of the best players in the world, let alone in the premier league and their teams have everything to go for. And so I think they're both going to see a lot of minutes and a lot of involvement in pushing it and going for goal for both Liverpool and man city. And then a little differential, Kev, if you had your bench boost and then you had your triple captain, I would be thinking about bench boosting 36 and then triple captaining 37. And I would be earmarking a player like Richarlison, who's on penalties for Everton and they have some easy matches or easier matches. Again, they're a bottom side, so no matches easy for Everton. And Coutinho also. Uh, another, you know what, I think Villa... I mentioned this to you in our private chat, Brian. Villa are going a little bit under the radar for how poor they've been recently. And Steven Gerrard is not even being talked about. He is not that much better of a manager than Frank Lampard is. They sit 15th in the table right now, and they are so much better than that. So I think 
Coutinho and Richarlison, very differential. And, you know, that could be something that sees you rise in the rank if you nail it in that double game week 37. So those are my four options. Short list. There's only so much season left, uh, but good on you, Kev, for saving a very powerful chip. Yeah, just to piggyback on top of that, I think if you aren't planning to bench boost in 36, which would be the ideal time if you still had that chip left, you have to captain KDB or Sala. The other guys, you have no idea where their game script's going to come from, but you've watched enough of Liverpool and City to understand how integral of an attacker that KDB and Salah are. So even if they play 60 minutes in one of the matches and get a full 90 in the other, it's going to be huge upside. So those are the two that you have to go with. I think that differentially, you would go with KDB as he's less owned and maybe there's a chance that you own both KDB and Salah. So if Salah does haul, you still have him in your side. And then KDB is the upside play. If you're trying to rise in the ranks, that's probably the, the shrewd move. Um, but those, those two stand up, you know, head and shoulders above any doubler in 37. Yeah. And one thing I should mention is that the FA cup final comes only three days after the second match in that double game week 36 for Liverpool. Uh, Chelsea have the same uh, scheduling dilemma. So that could mean that, you know, Salah plays the full 90 against in the first match against Arsenal. And then in the second match, yeah, maybe he gets a little bit of a breather so that he's fully fresh uh, considering that Ramadan is ongoing. So his body has been taking a big beating with the extra AFCON and, you know, Sadio Mane, same thing to rest these guys to make sure they're fully fit, fully fresh uh, to try and win the quadruple, which has never been done before. So uh, Liverpool have it all to play for, to say the least. Yeah. And with that being said, we're also going to see some rotation from Chelsea who will play in that FA cup as well. So a lot of managers who have tripled up on Chelsea for like this double game week, they're going to play in 36 where they have two matches where I believe they play uh, wolves and then Leeds in that one. And yeah. we're going to see a lot of rotation in the Leeds fixture, which is the ideal, you know, attacking fixture for Chelsea. So it's a bit of a, a punt. You know, I think there's much better upside to move one of your Chelsea assets to a city asset because they have so much to play for in the league in preparation of double game week 36. I mean, it, it's tough. It's, it's going to be a tough thing to balance between, you know, maybe using a bench boost and having a full bench versus, you know, hey, these are players that already double. I think a lot of people have like Kulu, for example, they have a tough double. So do you move him on or do you move somebody else on? So a lot of uh, tinkering to be done to try and figure out who might be the player that booms in that double. You know what? We both uh, live in the States. And so we're, uh, you know, we're footy fans from across the pond, but the Leeds Chelsea match with heavy rotation on the Chelsea end is going to see potentially a clash of American soccer Titans between Christian Pulisic, Captain America, (laughs) finally getting a start, I would assume. And Jesse March trying his darndest to keep Leeds out of the relegation, out of the drop zone. And they're going to be just clashing head to head. And it's going to see who's more impactful, the player or the coach. And that will be a real testament to uh, American soccer having made it abroad uh, in that match. What's next? I mean, Wisconsin's Wisconsin's very own Mr. Marsh. Putting, oh, putting uh, Wisconsin God. soccer on the map. <laughs> next, next. What's the next question? Let's go. All right. Next question. We want to look at, again, we talked about Sun and Kane. Do you think they're good captaincy shouts this game week, Bucks? 
don't want to uh, spoil uh, what's to come, but Sun right now. Let's, is, let's jump into it. Let's jump into it, Bucks. Sun is my captain uh, for game week 35 at the moment. I was considering maybe going a little bit more differential and putting it on Cancelo, but I think that City are going to be heavily rotated as they look ahead to uh, Champions League second leg, where you know they're they're not out of the out of the woods by any means against Real Madrid. They did win that the opening leg four three, but I think uh, you know traveling to the Bernabeu with only a one goal advantage when you know that there's going to be goals in that second leg. There were seven goals in the first leg. You can only assume there's going to be a lot of uh, scoring and fireworks in the second match. So Cancelo did not play in that first leg. He is super rested and he's locked in. And I think uh, a little cruel that he only got a one pointer in that Watford match. He was exceptional for them he was dominant in ball possession he had a lot of great passes and yeah unlucky to get uh kind of a professional yellow card in that match when they were so far ahead so uh son is a player that i'll probably be keeping uh through the end of the season uh he might be someone who i punt and and drop in one of my remaining two free hits yeah very interesting bucks i think versus a lester t- team that's going to rotate and we see brendan rogers playing the same style of football, whether it's their A team or their B team. And that leaves the B team really susceptible. And I think we're going to see um, the goals start to flow for Tottenham. And I also think that Sun is my leading captaincy player this week because Salah might play 60 minutes or so, especially if they go up and they're up 2-0 uh, versus Newcastle. I could see him getting rested early. So Sun should be nailed for 90 minutes uh, versus Leicester in a, in a match that they frankly need to win. So Sun and Kane, both great captaincy shouts this game week if you aren't looking at the likes of Salah or KDB. All right, last question comes from Eamon, and he's asking who's going to get relegated. Uh, we know two out of the three spots is Norwich and Watford. They are set. They have the uh, cement boots on already, so to speak, as we like to say in Brooklyn. They're in the Hudson already. We're not going to find them. They're down (laughs) in the championship, but it's really now a contest between Burnley and Everton. And it's worth mentioning that Burnley is on 31 points, having played 33 matches and Everton is on 29 points with a game in hand. They've only played 32 matches. However, Everton have a far more difficult schedule than Burnley for the remainder of the season. So uh, what do you rate? I, I mean, I actually think that, Lampard is going to do it. I think he's going to have the great escape. Everton are a notoriously long longevity aside. They are a big club. They're not in the best uh, state, but I think they're, they have enough skill and they're just a more complete side than Burnley. I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to stay up. I mean, you're going up against the likes of Michael Jackson and Ben Mee managing the great escape for Burnley. So uh, I don't know who's, who's a better manager, Ben Mee having managed two games as a player versus Frank Lampard. Eh, I don't know, but we've seen a really surprising uh, turn of events for Burnley to kind of eke out a few wins, play more attacking football. Uh, Very surprising to see them ahead of Everton at this point. And 67 years was the last time um, that Everton got relegated. And it's, it's very much a, a realistic situation here, Bucks. Yeah, they're for sure in trouble, but I'm going to quote one great 
Michael Jackson, the late great Michael Jackson himself and Burnley for me, they could just beat it. So I'm, I'm ready to have them uh, go down. They're a really <laughs> uninspiring, uninspiring team. And uh, Voot Vedkors has become one of my nemeses this season. Uh, let's, oh, man, let's... He's been returning too. had an assist, uh, had a goal the week before. Uh, I hate him. I hate him. We, uh. We've had we've had really terrible luck or timing with our strikers. I think we've spent too many transfers this year moving these kind of middling strikers in and out where we should have probably just have benched them or like started them in a few of their easy fixtures and not even thought about them on the bench at other times. So that's some uh, good hindsight for us to talk about at the end of our season recap. Um, but yeah, just one, one more thing. Like I mean, looking at this, the schedule for Everton, how is Frank going to pull the great escape? They have Chelsea, Watford and Leicester. Okay. There's some, they could probably get one win out of those crystal palace, Brentford, I don't think Brentford is a uh, Brentford's going to beat them probably in that match. And then they end with Arsenal. Those, those are tough, pretty tough fixtures other than Watford um, being the really match that they could win. So they're going to need some um, miracles from Richarlison and some dark uh, arts to escape this one. I didn't say it was going to be pretty, but I think uh, just by the, the skin of their teeth, they're going to, I think they're going to get the double uh, results against Watford and Leicester. And I think that's going to be enough to save the day. So, uh, you know, got to right, be Bucks, bold. Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, let's make a, let's make a friendly wager on the pod. I, I will say Burnley stay up. I will buy you dinner. If uh, Everton pull the great escape away next time I'm in New York handshake right. agreement. That's not a fair bet. You're coming to town on my birthday for the closing uh, window of fixtures in game 38. You're already buying me dinner. <laughs> let's go. Come on. We'll make it. Uh, let's say uh, the, the Uber home from drinking in the city for uh, on my birthday game week 38. Ooh, okay. All right. We'll that's that, that's a good call. Cause I will, I will be Ubering to the airport right after the last fixtures. Uh, since I'll be in New York one more time for work. So looking forward to that wager bucks and uh, we'll, we'll see who, who comes out on top. But uh, lastly, to wrap up the pod, let's just talk about our transfers before we get out of here. Yeah. So I've already made my moves. I watched uh, all the matches in double game week 34. Uh, you know, not a lot of inspiring performances from the guys. I'm yeah. Bringing thanks. In. Thanks. Thanks to thanks to COVID for that, right, Bucks? You had some extra time on your hands by yourself to watch all the matches and all the highlights. I'm a little stir crazy, if you can't tell, but uh, I already made my moves, so I am taking a hit this game week. As we've mentioned, I will be free hitting in game week 36, and then using my second free hit, which I definitely held far too long uh, for the final game of the season in 38. So I will be likely taking a hit for 35 and then taking another hit in 37 to make sure that I'm just really going for it. Uh, potentially even might take a second hit in this game week to uh, really just make a fun team. But the moves I've made so far, Ianacho and Ramsdale out. And I brought in Ollie Watkins and Vincent Gaita from Crystal Palace. I really love the Crystal Palace double game week in 37, and I've been impressed with uh, Patrick Vieira, their new coach, and just the consistency and the level of effort that at least the back half of that team plays with. So uh, pretty impressed with Gaita, and I think he's going to get saves if he doesn't get the clean sheet. So that's just a bet on upside. And uh, listen, in the preseason, I was saying I wasn't going to do goalkeeper transfers. This is uh, the second time I've burnt a transfer on a goalkeeper that wasn't a wild card. So uh, maybe next year I'll start listening to myself. We can 
can only hope, Bucks. We can only hope. We need you finishing much higher than uh, 100-some K next season. All right, so I think for your moves, Bucks, I, I really like the Watkins shot he's had more big chances than Coutinho over the last four matches. He's had a higher XG. So it might be the right time to hopefully catch um, fire for you. He's playing Norwich this week. So he'll have a couple of games to really showcase to you if he's worthy of the captaincy armband in double game week 37. So I do like that shout where there's a kind of no forwards to be had. So uh, look, moving to my team, I have 1.6 million in the bank and one free transfer. I really am going to try and prepare for double game week 37 since I'll be free hitting in 36 and 38. So for me, I'm probably going to move Rudiger out to Mr. Matty Cash to free oh, up enough oh, funds. Whoa. Yep. Leaving my, my one pointer that I got in a groin injury, putting that behind me, uh, thanking Rudiger for his time at Chelsea and in my squad. But uh, say la vie. See you later. Enjoy Real Madrid. Um, you're dead to me. So, uh, wow. Yeah, I wow. think that's, that's my wow. move. Bringing in guys been I here know, five. Right? Seasons. I mean, I'm, I'm hurt. He's been on the club five seasons. He's won five trophies, a uh, really classy player. It's just a shame. Honestly, the timing could not have been worse for the Chelsea sanctions and club for sale because they're just hamstrung right now. They can't make moves. They can't negotiate in good faith with their existing players, let alone be negotiating for other players. And, you know, other teams are ready to splash the cash and take advantage. Sorry, Rudiger, you've been a legend and uh, or sorry, you've been a cult hero. I'm not going to go legend status. He's been a cult hero at Chelsea, a real emotional leader, uh, but his time has come, so to speak. Yeah. All right. Now that Bucks just hijacked my entire transfer plans, uh, not that anybody else cares, but I'll get back to uh, who I'm moving to. I'm moving to Matty Cash, pretty boy Cash with the haircut, the Grealish uh, uh, descendant. I'm hoping that he has a really big game versus Norwich and he doubles very nicely in 37. So he's coming into my squad playing a five, four, one still, but that gives me 2.5 million in the bank. So for double game week 37, I'll have my eyes on upgrading Broja to either Richarlison or Watkins, or maybe moving um, a player like uh, Gordon to the likes of Coutinho. So it gives me a lot of flexibility heading into double game week 37 to pick the player that really looks good and also hopefully avoid injury. I think that's one thing that I'm playing ahead, right? But there are three matches to be had for cash. So I'm really hoping that I'll be able to call on him in double game 37. Again, we can't predict these things. So he's uh, played nearly the entire season with injury free. So I'm just hoping uh, this move helps me plan for the future. I'm going to avoid the hit though. And just my team, I have wait, um, wait, I, first I off the bench. I think, I think my audio cut out. Did you say you're not taking a hit? What? Who are you? Hey, I've I actually calculated the other day. I've only taken 40 points of hits this entire season, Buck. So we'll have to see who wins the the hits cup uh between you and I at the end of the season. It's got to be pretty close, but I feel like you've taken a few more minus eights than me this season. But those are my moves. And then uh again, free hitting in double game week 36. That's gonna be a nail biter to pick the team sheet, but looking forward to it. All right, and let's get out of here, Bucks. Anything both, else to add? Both of our captains on Young Min Sung confirm. I'll be wearing the Sunny Boy jersey. Can't wait to throw it on the new kit that I got last month. And uh, yeah, he's he's the cap with Vice on Sala. Interesting. I might have to change it uh, because I'll be throwing uh, digital tomatoes your way in that uh, ugly Tottenham jersey. All right, let's get out of here. FPL. 
Blues podcast. Listeners, thank you so much for following us, for subscribing, for getting involved in our mini league. It's almost at the end. We have four game weeks left to go, but there's still so much to play for. Give us a follow on social media. If you haven't already, subscribe and give a listen. We have almost 50 podcasts now in the uh, in the archive. Eesh. So, so uh, a great season. We're having a lot of fun doing this, and uh, we're glad so many of you guys are tuning in, episode in and episode out, and enjoying it as well. So green arrows to come, and it's been a great season. Let's keep it going. We're sprinting to the finish line. Only four game weeks left. We're looking forward to it. Good luck this week.